What's going on, everybody? We are back for 2021, and welcome to RizzoCast. This is a new show that we'll have here, and it is called Bye Bye Baby, the Bye Bye Baby Show, Bye Bye Baby Podcast, whatever you want to call it. Bye Bye Baby Bonanza. Bye Bye Baby Bonanza. See, we're already coming up with stuff. Um, well, of course, we didn't come up with that. Um, but let's let's just do a quick introduction. I'm Steven Risotto. Of course, I've done a lot of stuff on RizzoCast. Uh, it's something I came up with a couple couple months ago, I'd say, and it's kind of really taken off. I've done a lot of good interviews, et cetera. Um, and I, we decided to do a baseball show, and uh, I called up Steven, or, or we kind of mutually agreed, let's do a baseball show. And to honor the start of the 2021 season coming up very soon, we're doing it. So, Steven, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you doing. I'm doing okay, Mr. Risotto. I um, I don't know if there's much to say. I'm a. It's weird as as loud as I am on my scopes and in my personality. I don't like to talk about myself that much. I don't know why. Um, but I I want to be an announcer someday. I know that's a one in a trillion job. But hey, it never hurts to shoot for the stars. And uh, you know, I'd like any job I can in baseball right now with any team. Love to cover some games, whether it's working for a team, covering a team for a news site or organization. Uh, and I was um, dreading, I don't know, if, what's the word? I was scared that there was not going to be a baseball season this year. And I, I actually don't think in all honesty, that was really that much of a realistic possibility. I think, you know, Manfred uh, threatened it, but I think he was bluffing. They were going to play this season, but just to have baseball after such a long hiatus I, uh, it makes you realize just truly how much you love this game. And, uh, I'm just so thankful that baseball is back for this year. And I think this is the perfect time to start a podcast for what's going to be a once in a lifetime season, a season that has never happened before and a season that will probably never happen again. And, uh, I, I couldn't be more excited to do a podcast about it. I can't thank Steven enough and, uh, 60 games were in contention. How do you think these 60 games will go? Yeah. Um, also, like you mentioned, it's it's a great time to start a podcast, and I'm glad that um, we could we could be able to do this. Sixty games, as we mentioned, it will be a sprint. It will be a sprint. It won't be a marathon. It won't be, you know, the one sixty two game marathon that we talked about. Um, but another thing you mentioned is super key. Um, how much we missed this game during this these first couple months. Um, or even what was the first half of what would have been a regular season. Uh, we missed it, right? We missed it. And um, even these inter-squad games, everybody's kind of getting all caught up in them. And it's great that they're having these inter-squad games and um, it's firing people up that baseball's finally back. Um, but I'm excited. And, you know, we're going to talk about some of the new rules today. We're going to talk about the no fans division, by division preview a little bit later and we'll come up with some award predictions but steve and i'm super excited about this podcast um we're going to be covering all the bases to this season um and hopefully beyond too so it should be a lot of fun um so to start things off um let's talk about some of the new rules and uh i know how you feel about some of them i'll tolerate um, let's talk about the universal dh so we know that 
you know, of course, the American League adopted it back in the early 70s. And it's been two different leagues. The National League's had the pitcher hitting and the American League's had the DH. Now there's going to be a universal DH. And, you know, it's – to me, I'd rather have it both – I'd rather have it how it was before uh, in recent seasons. But it won't be the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. It won't be the worst thing in the world. And I would hate to see it happen permanently in both leagues, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, but it's just, I feel like, you know, if, if you're going to learn to play this game, you should learn to hit. I feel like it's on pitch. Well, pitchers don't know how to hit, then teach them to hit. Because there are plenty of pitchers who are great hitters. Right now we have Madison Bumgarner. In the past it was Mike Hampton, LeVon Hernandez, Carl Sombrano. Guys who you could move to, to – to a different position, they could hit 300 in a year. Look at Rick Anke, came up as a pitcher. Uh, and, you know, he totally resurrected his career as an outfielder. Um, but, you know, it, this is not the one I'm losing sleep over. The one – okay, I'm not losing sleep over it yet as long as it doesn't become permanent. But the one that irks me that I will tolerate for this season, and I mean this season only, is your fave, the runner at second base to start extra innings. Yes. Tolerate it for one season only. Yeah. And it's not being used in the playoffs. I think that's good that it's not being used in the playoffs. And um, let's give some viewers and and listeners some uh, uh, background here. So the runner at second base, pretty much during each regular season game, each half inning is going to start with a guy on second. So if that guy scores – I believe how they're doing it is that the pitcher will not be charged with the earned run, which is probably the right thing. Um, That's correct. And a lot of people that don't support this. That's great. Sorry um, about that. A lot of people that don't support this, I feel, are are the ones saying, "Oh, this is you know, this is kid stuff." And yeah, to a point it might be, but here's my thought. And you can tell me your thoughts about, uh, about this. My reasoning behind having it is that these games go on way too long, way too long. And I think it burns out pitching staffs going into the 15th, 16th, 17th inning. And it ruins pitching staffs for months on end. It's, I think there's going to be excitement with runners at, at second base to start extra innings. I've played in an atmosphere like that uh, last summer. And there's a ton of pressure on the home team. Because if that away team scores the run, the home team has a lot of pressure to get that bunt down, to get a productive out, and to knock in that run. So it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can see where you're coming from because, you know, you don't want to go into the 20th inning and be tied in a crucial game. And then you have to bring in your third baseman to pitch an inning and you lose because of that. That I can understand. But at the same time, the runner at second base thing could actually make the games longer because each it could make teams have to blow through even more pitchers. Because let's say it's like at Coors Field, right? And it's eight to eight going into extra innings. And you got the runner at second base. And it's already a hot night at court, hot dry night at Coors Field. The ball's already flying in the altitude. That's even more dangerous because pitchers are going to have to come in and starting an inning out of the stretch. And many pitchers are a lot better in the windup. That's another thing. Um, and it's going to make pitchers nibble more. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I can see that. I think the way to solve the bullpen issue is really to, to permanently expand rosters to 30. I know that's probably not very realistic, but that's always the route I would have gone with. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that this year, of course. How do you feel about the three batter minimum? God. <sighs> I think now you know. I hate it too. I, I think know. that is miles worse. Uh, maybe not worse, but that changes the game more than the extra inning uh, runner at second changes the game. Yeah, because left-handed specialists are, you know, are part of the game. Javier Lopez, left-handed specialist, Jesse Orozco, and I, I, Terry Mulholland, and, and numerous other guys whose job it was on a big league roster was to come in and face that left-handed, that tough left-handed hitter. Those guys wouldn't have jobs nowadays. And Bonds struggled against some of those uh, those lefties. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think Bonds fared well against Orozco. So let me go look up Bonds' numbers versus Jesse Orozco real quick. Yeah, and I uh, think I think um, there's a way that teams could cheat around this, and it's you know it's either three batter minimum or uh, until the end of the inning. So if there's a left-handed batter up in a crucial spot, um, and there's two outs you know, that lefty specialist job wouldn't change. He'd still come in and face the one batter. Oh, but this is Major League Baseball. What bothers me more is, you know, don't fix it if it ain't broke, right? Baseball's not broke. You know, the only people complaining about the games going too long are the ones that are casual fans and don't necessarily understand baseball. So that's Absolutely. my standing on it. That's the old saying in life, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And unfortunately – I think in 2015, Rob Manfred inherited a product that wasn't really broken. He tried to fix it. And now there are a lot of problems with the product. No doubt. No doubt. And I remember a couple of years ago, there's uh, uh, something coming up about, um, I don't know if you remember this, but somebody mentioned that baseball is the only sport that the best players don't necessarily come up with the game on the line. For example, Tom Brady, the game's on the line. He has an opportunity. LeBron James, the game's on the line. He has an opportunity to be at the front and center. You know, baseball, Mike Trout could be in the hole when the game's on the line, not even hitting, not even a part of the game. Um, I would not be in favor of having a manager pick the lineup the last part of the the game. That would be a joke to me. That would be because that's the beauty of baseball. You know, you may have the best team in the world, but, you know, it's like – and in 2002, that was kind of the case for the Giants when they were down 4-1 to one in the uh, top of the ninth inning in Game 7 against Percival. They actually had runners at first and second and one out, and um, they had the bottom of the order up. And I think Tiyoshi Shinjo uh, had, pinch hit for uh, Pedro Feliz, who was the designated hitter. I mean, this is the potential tying run. I think Baker should have left in Pete, but uh, Tiyoshi Shinjo, who was a hell of a center fielder, was not – no, exactly known for his hitting and I think he struck out and you know that's the beauty of it it's just it's circumstance and it would just be a joke it, and that's where I think the runner at second base role is headed that's the problem with the runner at second base role because that's first and the next will be oh, okay we can bring in you know Mike Trout to hit even though he made the last out of the last inning and that's why I I just think that the the runner at second base role is a stepping stone to that yeah I yeah, I, I don't like the the making the own lineup because, you know, if you look at a lot of those underdog teams in baseball history that weren't expected to do a whole lot, um, it's the same theme, right? Like a, a new guy coming up and producing every single day. Um, and that that is a 
that's something that, you know, basketball and football might not necessarily compare because, you know, LeBron James, game's on the line, he's going to get the ball. Tom Brady's going to, you know, throw a touchdown pass or whatever. But when the game's on the line, you might have some, you know, guy that just came up from AAA yesterday uh, getting a base hit, and he's the hero that night. So it's not necessarily the same post-game interviews. It's always a different story. So in baseball, I like that aspect of it. I'm trying. Does anyone know what Bonds's light what Bonds's lifetime numbers were against Jesse Orozco? I want to find that out. Sorry to interrupt because we were mentioning. I can that. find it because I can't so, find it on Baseball Reference. That's why I've been kind of going through the computer. Um, yeah, and viewers and listeners, I recommend this. And if you guys don't already, use Baseball Reference. Use yeah. fan graphs. I mean, these are and Stephen will tell you these are tools that are absolutely. You know, it's it's. You don't need – it's weird that it's, you know, kind of in a way destroying baseball cards. Maybe it's not destroying baseball cards. But this is revolutionary. You know, sites like Baseball Reference is revolutionary. Apparently, um, I need to subscribe to Stathead to get on Baseball Reference to get the full – Ah, well, we'll come up with that number some because I don't have Stathead anyways. All right, let's get into some of the uh, – you know, one other aspect to this whole COVID-19, um, what came out of it in terms of getting baseball back going, and that's no fans. So no fans are going to be in the ballpark. Um, and you and I have seen, and the viewers and listeners have also seen, nobody in the ballpark in these inter-squad games, in these exhibition games. In my opinion, yeah, it's tough. It's tough on the financial aspect for owners. It's tough on, you know, because a lot of the revenue comes from the gates. Um, and a lot of it still comes from TV, and that's still going to be intact. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I, I think the players would rather play in front of fans. But I said this to someone the other night. I'm sure some of them really are fine with it being empty. And, and as selfish as that may sound, uh, and listening at home, um, the only time that I, you know, ever feel like the stadium's empty is when they do the aerial shot of the empty stadium, right? Right. Because the crowd noise, and I know you have a different feeling about it. It feels, it sounds normal. Now, I don't know what it sounds like in person, but it sounds normal to me. What I don't like about it is, yeah, I wish there were crowds. It, this kind of sucks playing in front of empty stadiums. But at the same time, I do think it is kind of a cool opportunity. So it is, I don't like it, but it is kind of cool at the same time because it's an opportunity here what these players are like in the middle of a game. And I get it, you know, bad language could be used and that's not the greatest for television, but it, you really do get the true feeling of the game. I just, you're basically watching on a screen and no one's there making noise except for the players. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't, you could keep the music and the PA announcing. Um, and it's actually kind of an experience that you'll get going to like a JC game. Like I've yeah. got to go to JC games. You know, what would be really interesting is if the sound of the stadium, the crowd, comes from TV. And then you could go on MLB TV or something and have the option where you tune out the crowd. So yeah. do you remember how, like, you know, you could go on MLB TV and you, there's the option to tune out the broadcasters? Tune out the crowd and make it something where, you know, you put a warning, not safe for work possible. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to hear that stuff. 
manager and umpire arguments. I mean, that's going to be some good stuff too. And, you know, guys screaming at the mound when a guy gets thrown at, um, a guy screaming at an umpire when he's thrown out. Sadly, umpires don't scream back anymore. It's a shame because it's actually a part of the game. It would just be some really cool stuff to hear. Even the relays, like cut two, cut two, cut two, four, four, four. Those would be awesome. It you know, get people inside the game. And baseball sometimes needs – I feel like it needs to go um, – what's the right word? You know, FCC, you know, screw them. <laughs> Do it on HBO. Yeah, you know, HBO. What, what, what would be a good one is like you have a tough fly ball or a tough pop-up on either a really sunny or a really windy day. And you have two, one guy who can't see it and then another guy who says, I got it, I got it, I got it. And that, that right there you'll be getting a true just feeling of how the game is played and how the communication happens. Absolutely. It's very much worth it, yeah. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. So let's get into the juicy stuff, Stephen, shall we? Um, so 60 games this year, as we mentioned, it's going to be a sprint. It will not be a marathon. And, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to – you know, you, you come out of the gates – losing six seven in a row it's not going to look good for you so these teams have to get it in the full gear right away but at the same time you know i feel like there's a possibility that a team will start like seven and all and it'll be a fluke team and they still will find a way to um to tank it i mean there's definitely a lot more pressure i mean you know in a 162 game season you start 0 and seven well you know don't play too bad over the next couple of months you start 0 and seven this year and it's you got to get hot in a week or your season's over. Um, and so that um, – the it's like it's like if we were 101 games into the season and – or I'm oh, sorry, 102 games into the season here on July 22nd and every team was 51 and 51. That's essentially what this is. Yeah, um, and I think you're going to see teams that are not going to win based on the – they're not going to – they're not going to win the World Series in the first 15 games – but there's going to be plenty of teams that are going to lose the World Series in those first 15 games. So those first 15 games are going to be crucial. And I also think you're going to start to see uh, teams not really ready yet in terms of pitching. Still kind of, you know, starters going four innings. And, um, and I know that that's, you know, kind of the new norm. But you're going to see more of it because some of these guys, and I saw the other day that Walker Bueller um, might not be ready for – six seven eight nine innings just yet um you know he's not going against us this weekend i don't think yeah he's not i heard that he was not in shape yet to pitch and he came he's a little behind kershaw and um a couple of those other guys so uh, i think you're going to see a lot of things like that happen um yeah and i don't think as uh kyle is posting his predictions i i don't I don't think we're going to see many complete games early on. Um, yeah. This was a rush. Um, but what's actually weird, in 1981, teams had like a week to get ready after that strike in. And granted, it was two months. But still, I feel like it's interesting that teams were, were able to – uh, three weeks is too, is too, uh, is, can be too small. But at the same time, 10 days like they had in 1981 uh, – was I guess doable. I, you know, I have, I should maybe go check on some box scores from August of 81, see if there were many complete games, but this is one of those situations. And I was unaware about Bueller until you mentioned it, that, um, and I think that's why you have the rosters at thirties because you're going to have a lot of bullpen games early. Yeah, for sure. 
no doubt. So let's get into um, what's that? I am surprised though. I thought after three weeks they'd be mostly in shape. Yeah, yeah, and you know it 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 depends on what they did during um, this this quarantine period. If you know, maybe it, it shows. Maybe it shows that some guys didn't do what they were supposed to do in terms of staying in shape. Uh, so let's get into some of the predictions here. We're going to go division by division. Let's start with the American League East. So this, you know, this division's really interesting because, you know, last year it had two really, really bad teams in terms of Baltimore and Toronto. But this division is, you know, could be really sneaky good in, in 2020. I'll give you my thoughts. Um, I think the Yankees take it. I think they're the favorite, not just in the American League. But in baseball, they have really good pitching. Of course, they have the the um, the home runs there in the middle and the offense, all the offense. But my World Series pick is actually the Tampa Bay Rays. And I, I think they sneak in through a wild card spot and they do their thing, really deep pitching. I think they're going to be a really surprised team. You know, Boston could compete and Toronto could hit, but they just don't have anything in in terms of pitching and Baltimore is probably going to be near the seller as well. So give me your predictions for, for uh, the American league East in 2020. I could actually see Toronto. I think Toronto will finish over 500, but I'm not mm. sure they're a playoff team. I think, I don't know. I think they could, I don't say, will. I should say could, I think they're around the neighborhood of maybe 28 to 32 wins. Um, Cause I said, as I've said a lot, a lot can happen. You're going to have a lot of flukes this year too, but oh, no, for sure. For sure. Because teams can go 32 and 28 over 60 games and then end up going 69 and 93. Uh, and and I should start, I should say this before we go on, but our predictions that, you know, you and I are going to be making, um, we're going to look back at them at, at least one of them and we're going to laugh because that's just how baseball works. Oh yeah. I'm going to probably add records to these tonight. Actually, I'll be crazy mm. enough. I think Tampa's winning the East. Mm. Uh, I don't think they're going to go to the world series, but I think they're going to win the East. And I think um, I think New York is a wild card. I just think New York's too good. But Tampa Bay is also – I think both teams are very stacked and loaded. And it's going to be a dogfight, but I just think Tampa is kind of a hungrier club. I think there's there's uh, there's less uh, – ex- they have less exposure. And teams that are, aren't exposed as much, they're hungrier. They want to yeah. prove themselves. And I feel like Tampa's in that position. They went to the playoffs last year, took the Astros to a game five, they're going to have a chip on their shoulders here, and they're going to feel like they have something to prove. And to throw a dab at, at, at Tampa Bay, I really hate to say this, you know, trying to be professional in this podcast, but you know what? They get home field advantage because they're so used to the crowds there at Tampa Bay. So that's <laughs> – I guess that's a, that's a positive. I don't know. I mean, it's like if – I feel like the only team that's getting home field advantage is really – I don't know if even the A's are because – I feel like Tampa's crowds are like, what, 10,000? That's still relatively large because the problem people, people don't get with crowds is it's, it's not scattered across the stadium like only the show displays. It's bunched up in one part of the stadium. Oakland's it, like that, huh? Yeah, and Oakland and t- both Oakland and Tampa are that way. Most, most fans are going to be sitting behind the dugouts, and you know, you're gonna, that, that is, it's going to be, I think, a, a big adjustment for everyone. It's, all, it's actually possible, though, in terms of stadium noise, the low-market teams might have an advantage. That's, yeah. That I think I could give you, because the stadium noise coming from the speakers, that's probably going to be just as loud as a crowd of five to 10,000 people sitting behind the dugouts. So, 
I actually do think that you're right, that Oakland and Tampa will kind of have a home field advantage. They'll be used to kind of playing in front of small crowds. And uh, um, I think that will give them both an advantage. But yeah, Tampa is my division winner and the Yankees are a wild card for me. What about the American League Central? What do you think? White Sox. They're just a good upcoming young team. I think the Twins are the better team, but I just think with 60 games, the White Sox end up starting better. Um, and I'm going to predict the Twins as the first wild card hosting the Yankees. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to flip-flop that. I, I'd, oh, that's, that's good because, you know, a lot of people are really high on the White Sox and you're making me think here. Um, so, so kudos. Um, they have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of good young talent. Giolito, Jimenez, Moncada's turning into a star. Anderson, one of the better hitters in the American League last year. Abreu's so consistent. You know, you know what you're going to get from him. So, and Giolito could be a Cy Young candidate. Um, God, you know, that's a good team. You're right. That's a good team. But I still really like Minnesota. I really like Minnesota's offense. You know, they're, they've they always been, even when they made that surprise run, was it 2017? Yeah, that they, they, went, they uh, went to the playoffs after. Actually, it's where they won 83 games in 15, lost 100 in like 9 and 16, and then won like 86 or 87 and went to the playoffs in 17. Yeah, so, you know, and we said it then, you know, they're one or two arms away. And maybe that still is the case, and I think that would be the only thing holding yeah, them back. You know, I think they got – Rich Hill and Kenta Maeda or whatever, Homer That's Bailey. That's still not going to be – No, it's not. It, it you know. showed in the playoffs last year, and they were dispersed pretty easily in three games by the Yankees. Were they the team that had the Uber driver pitching? Uh, yes, I think they were. <laughs> See, that – you know, no knock on Uber driving. It's a great side gig. Um, but the fact that that's – how I know who that is, is not a good thing at all. I don't um, think the guy should be pitching for Uber this year. Cause problem is you do side hustles like that. You know, there's a reason players have routines because it can just take one distraction. There goes your season. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say the twins, I like their offense. You know, they had a ton of home runs last year. Um, so I like them. What about the, the West? Ace, and I'm predicting the Astros miss the playoffs. I just think there's there's still going to be a lot of drama facing the Astros. There could be a lot of questions. We saw yesterday three of their guys, Bregman, Altuve, and um, and uh, Springer, Springer, were hit yesterday in Kansas City, and I don't think that was an accident. I, You know, I don't think so either. I think you're because right. This is going to keep happening, and they're playing the Dodgers next week in Houston. Either Monday or Tuesday, they're playing the Dodgers. And you know that there's going to be some stuff that happens in that series. And they're going to be asked about it throughout the season because every team, especially the A's, Giants may, you know, keep in mind, Gabe Capra was in the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, he might, you know, in 2017, he was part of the Dodgers front office at your Kapler when the Giants are in Houston in three weeks. He may want to do something. Mm-hmm. And this is, and I just feel like it's going to be too big of a distraction for Houston. I think they finish around possibly even under 500. I'm going to predict they old prediction. I think they finished under 500. You know, I think that this is an interesting situation with Houston. Um, And I heard somebody talking about this, I believe on 95, seven, the game. It's going to be interesting because this is not a normal year. Like we've mentioned so many times already. And there's that big layover, you know, the big months of nothing happening. And I feel like people kind of forgot about it. 
and it's going to get to the point in the middle of the year where it's going to get old and people are going to forget about it. Mm. And, you know, I just think that there's, there's not much, you know, if this was a normal year, it would be going on the whole year. Right. Cause that was the story before this whole thing happened in spring training. That was it in terms of the rest of the teams. Yeah. I think Houston's a favorite Oakland. You know, I think they're, they're a wild card team for me. Angels are going to be good. I think they're going to have an offense a middle of the order. That is very good. Um, with Trout, you know, being, of course, the best player in the game. Rendon, who is very good with the bat, very good defensively. Otani's extremely good. Justin Upton, you know, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, Albert Pujols, you know, let him hit seventh or eighth and let him hit 17, 18 homers. That's what he's, that's what he's going to be doing now. So, you know, but they're pitching, you know, they just don't have any pitching at all. And I feel like, you know, when you're relying on names from the past, like Pujols and Upton, I think Rendon and Trout, but I mean, keep in mind, Pujols is past his prime. Justin Upton has past his prime. I think, I think Angels are 500. I think they could be a playoff team, but I still see them as a 500 club. Possibly. Yeah, fair. Fair. Uh, and I think a lot of teams are going to, you know, the, the, and I mentioned this a little bit ago, I could see teams using the opener against them quite a bit. Because you know, with those that all those right-handed bats in the lineup, it's going to be a lineup that's suspect to that. But Oakland's my division winner. I just think, and I do. I don't think it's going to get old with the Astros because it's not going to be old for the teams facing them, especially mm-hmm. the A's because Flyers is you know their division rival and other division rivals, the Rangers. That's, that's a good call. That's going to be interesting, Mike. Fires. It's not going to be old for the players on other teams and. This is going to make this, and when they play the Dodgers, I mean, three guys were hit yesterday in an exhibition game by the Royals. Mm-hmm. When they're playing, and they played the Dodgers, I believe, starting Monday or Tuesday. When they play the Dodgers next week, something's happening. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and that I didn't even think about that until you just brought that up because, you know, the the Dodgers were the were the team that you know, I don't know if you would say should have gotten the championship, but they were the team that got cheated out of something. So I don't know. All right, let's, let's go into the national league East here. Um, And I think that this is the best division in baseball. One of them, at least, I think you have four teams that have a chance at making the playoffs and you have one team that could be an upsetter. Um, I'll, I'll start from the bottom Marlins. Of course, they're still kind of rebuilding, we know this, but they have some young pitching that could really put a wrench in the plans of a lot of teams. Um, you know, Phillies, I think they're going to improve. Uh, I think Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins is just such a good duo in that lineup. You know, of course, McCutcheon's back too. And Nola, Arietta, it's a pretty good one-two punch. Mets, I think, are going to be better than advertised. I like Cespedes back. I think that's a deep lineup. Very versatile lineup too with McNeil. Cano, a lot of guys in that lineup could hit anywhere in the order. And great pitching. They have a Cy Young winner on the mound, DeGrom. Um, but I, I, I pick – I think the Braves are going to win the division. I think the Nationals lost too much in the last two years, and they haven't done much to replace. They lost Harper in free agency, and they lost Rendon in free agency. And they – you know, what have, who have they replaced in that lineup – you know, what presence. So 
I don't know. I, I think Nationals, they're going to be my wild card team, but I think I like the Braves a little bit better. The thing with the Nats is it's – they're actually – they have a really loaded farm system, and they're in just the beginning, but I feel like they're going to have an off year too. I just feel like there's going to be – I don't know. There's, it's, there's similar to the 2010 Giants, which is, you know, some good young talent but a lot of veterans, but at the same time some more good young talent on the way. I just feel like there's going to be kind of a crash and burn with the Nats this year. I think they contend, but I'm actually not making them one of my, my playoff picks. Uh, but the Braves, for sure, I think are going to run away with that division. They're just too good. And now with their bullpen, uh, they have Will Smith as their closer. Oh, and you have Freddie Freeman, who is in that lineup. Oh, my God. I, I just don't – Acuna, Albies. I mean, they're, they're the – no one's going to beat them out in that division. They're good, and I like their their starting pitching too. Soroka, I think he's so – you know, that guy's – you know, the movement on his sinker and – Max Freed, I think we saw him in a Giants series, and he pitched really good against them. Um, so I think they're they're ready to go. Um, and, of course, Acuna, a possible MVP candidate. Central is a bit interesting. Um, Central, I think, is the best division, actually. Yeah, what do you think about them? Other than the Pirates, I think it's every team's game. I think the Reds are going to win that division. They're an up-and-coming young team. I, I agree that they need – I do think they need some help pitch on the pitching side, but in a 60-game season – and playing at Great American Small Park, their offense is going to thrive. And I, I think they're going to win their division. Um, Milwaukee and, and St. Louis are also solid. But the team that I see coming in second, and I am making a prediction, second wild card will be the Cubs. I think they, the Cubs are kind of a team on the decline, but I feel like they're going to get a boost playing for Rossi this year, a guy who was a teammate for most of them in 2016. And I think the Cubs will, will give Rossi a good year. So I, I think the Cubs are second wild card and the Reds win the division. You know, this is the only division where I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I, I see a lot of underperformers in this division, mostly Chicago and Milwaukee. I think they're going to digress a good amount. Oh, yeah. Um, Milwaukee, for sure. Yeah. And their window may be up, too. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, I, you know, and Pittsburgh's irrelevant. But I think Cincinnati, you know, that's the story everybody's talking about. They have the best pitching in the division with um, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, who's been getting Cy Young uh, consideration, Trevor Bowers there too. And their offense is, is really good too. They just got Nick Castellanos. Joey Votto's always consistent. Eugenio Suarez, one of the top right-handed sluggers in the game. But you know what? I can't leave say, you know, I can't count St. Louis out ever this last decade we last two decades yeah last two decades you just can't count them out really so far they've been the team of the century i don't mean i'm sorry to interrupt they've really been the team of the century thus far in my opinion very possible i mean i can't you know every time i want to say reds and i think i put that on twitter i think i said the reds were going to win every time i say the reds i keep going back to st louis i you know, maybe, and this is me not even talking about who they have or what they have, but this is just me talking about the identity that them as a franchise has created. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just such a baseball team. It's a baseball team. And I think it even goes back to Branch Rickey, right? It even goes back to what he did with that team. Um, you know, and it's it's such a baseball team. You know, they got guys coming up every single year out of nowhere that just can continue to produce and 
you know, it's, I just can't, I don't know. I'm still undecided on the central. It's a team that you, you, you just have to respect. Yeah. Uh, and the Cardinals are always a team. It's weird how most teams who dominate the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, I wouldn't count the Giants, but even for a few years, the Giants are just hated. When the Cardinals have their big runs, everyone respects what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, one losing season since the turn of the century, and that was in 2007. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, but when Tony LaRusso managed the Cardinals, and one of my favorite baseball men, one of my favorite managers, one of the smartest guys, possibly the smartest guy to ever, one of the possibly the best statistics. Uh, the, the, the possibly the best strategic manager in the, in the history of the game, Tony La Russa. Um, and if you haven't bought his book, I think it was at the last strike. It's a great read. Um, I always liked about him talking about respecting your opponents um, and respect what your opponents are capable of, but he just was so confident in his abilities to pull the right strings and his players that it was just like, it was a, a winning formula. And I just don't think the Cardinals are good enough this year, but I mean, they're, but they actually have a good young farm system. They're actually an up and coming team. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be in this for years to come, but this year I I just think it's the Reds. For sure. And are we in agreement that the West is the Dodgers or is there maybe? Yeah, I think the West is the Dodgers. I just think, um, you know, Mookie Betts, Big news today. He's going to be a Dodger through 2032. You said you'll be 31. <laughs> I will be – no, you'll be 30. 30, that's right. It's a 12-year deal, right? Yep, through 2032. 20, 20, 20, I will be 38. So you'll be entering the prime of your career. <laughs> My broadcasting career? I don't know. Or actually, when I enter, actually, I mean, I had quarter age burnout. Imagine when I hit actual middle age burnout. That's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Dodgers are just such ahead of everybody else in that division. You know, I think a sleeper in this division could be San Diego. And we've said this for years, but, you know, San Diego is a type of team where I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and this goes, this goes back to a couple years ago when A.J. Preller got in there and cleaned house and made all those moves, Will Myers, Derek Norris. Do you remember that? And yeah. um, everybody had the Padres, you know, high on their list. But, you know, I believe it until I see it. They still yeah, have a good farm system. Is when they did that, they got Will Myers, they got Matt Kemp, Justin Kemp. Upton, and everyone say, oh, they're going to be good this year. I'm like, yeah, you Kimbrell. watch them. Um, that's right, Kimbrell was on that team. What's The Padres – they have some really good young talent. And a year ago, they are a team that I think has the potential to be a super team. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, one of the reasons I am not big on tearing down and rebuilding like they did is they do have the potential to have this massive run. But I feel like at the same time, they also have the potential to be a big dud and for this to be another failed rebuild. And we're in a position two or three years where the Padres had you know losing seasons in 2021 and 22. And in 23, it's like, okay, we have to rebuild again. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, if I think they have the potential, but they, if they are going to get to the playoffs, they're going to need to make some additions. For sure. You know, especially on the pitching side of things. And I guess, you know, in terms of Arizona and Colorado, I think they're very similar teams. Um, 
Arizona tends to play over their heads, though, and I think Arizona is going to play over their heads in a 60-game stretch and get a wild card. Yeah, and they they probably have more talent than the Marlins, but I could see them playing like a similar role, like kind of upset the Dodgers. You know, they could be some real – they have, you know, Robbie Ray, Madison Bumgarner there now, Archie Bradley in the back end. They've got some great hitting. Yeah, good hitting. I I think Arizona's more than just a sleeper. I think they're legit, actually. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Um, the team, I don't think the Rockies are very legit, and there's a lot of issues right now with Nolan Arenado. Apparently, there's a feud with their G. He has a feud with their GM. What I saw earlier today. Oh, really? that's not good. Um, the Rockies. I mean, I mean, I think they have some good young talent. Their team, I think, could be relevant over the next few years. But they had a really bad year last year, and I just don't. I don't see them going anywhere this year. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should mention it. Before we get into some award predictions, Giants. So yes, that's going to be, you know, Giants. we're going to, you know, of course, we're going to cover Major League Baseball in this podcast, but the Giants are going to be a big part of what we do. Um, so, you know, my assessment on this team is not there yet, but have a chance to be better than what people think. And that's going to be my official diagnosis on this team. Um, and I think I'm really intrigued, and maybe this is just me from a local source saying this, but um, as a local source, I should say, pitching, I'm so interested to see how this bullpen works and the starting pitching works. You know, there's so many interesting guys, you know, Gosman and Smiley and Anderson, and it's going to be so interesting to watch. And then a, a team where you get, you can move guys around, um, Flores you can move around a couple of their infielders and platoons I think Gabe Kapler is going to work a lot with platoons you're going to see guys that hit right-handed pitchers really well in there against righties and guys that hit lefties really good against left uh in there against lefties I can't talk what do you think about the Giants um it's incredible what has happened over the last year for a year ago, the giants, I believe had the third worst ranked farm system in all of baseball. And now I think they're easily a top 10 farm system with, with the additions society has made. And it's not just the top guys. I mean, Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos and Hunter, those first two, Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos are going to probably be everyday guys come the start of next year. We're probably going to see Bart this year, probably yeah. Ramos this year too. Hunter Bishop could be up early next year. I think, um, Will Wilson, you know, but it's it's you also have Will Wilson who has a little potential. I don't think we know enough about Will Wilson, but you know he was drafted early. He could be everyday guy as soon as next year. Mauricio Dubon is a guy I'm really high on. I can't wait to watch him. I think the guy could be an all star. I think the guy could be a solid number two hitter, Um, with power too. The guy is. I think Dubon is a guy who could hit 300 in a full season. I think he could hit 300 and hit 20. He's just someone – I just really like his story, and I just think he's very quickly going to become a fan favorite. Yeah, he's fun. He smiles. A lot of people like Dubon. Um, and uh, yeah. we'll talk about Bart in a, in a, in a future episode because that is a whole story in its own. Uh, but I think we'll definitely see him within three the weeks. The pitching is hit and miss, though. Is, is though I just, I, other than Cueto and Samarja, I'm just not sure guys like Gosman and Anderson – uh, can be consistent, and I don't think it's real clear what the Giants plan to do on day. I on days Quaid and Samarja don't start. We just gotta have a two man rotation and three days of openers. Are we gonna try and get some innings out of uh, Gosman? Um, perhaps some innings out of Sean Anderson. 
I just think the pitching is very much hit and miss. The bullpen's actually pretty solid. Tyler Rogers being a submarine guy, I think could make ends. I mean, could make some inroads. Uh, Tony Watson, I think will be a very good closer. Though at the same time, I'm a little nervous about, I mean, he's a good reliever. I think he'll do a good job, but I'm just not sure the closer's role is something he's, he's made for. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's a hell of an eighth inning guy, but I just worry that like maybe he won't be as good as a closer. You know, and I also think they do a closer by committee type thing. It's what kind of what Gabe Kapler did in Philly. Um, in terms of the back end of the rotation, I could see them opening with, you know, a guy like Rodgers. But then again, I would also like Rodgers in a, you know, late inning role, right? Kind of in a, in a tough situation. Maranta's out for the year, which sucks. Because Maranta, I thought, had, was really talented and had some just gas that he could blow by guys. And it's a shame that I don't think we're going to get to see him this year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, but um, also, uh, Danny Jimenez, did you see him uh, yesterday? No. Danny Jimenez, he's a Rule 5 pick from the Blue Jays. He looked really good, and he looked, you know, and he's got to make the team or else, you know, they have to offer him back. Um, but he's he looked electric. Sam Coonrod has looked electric. Um and a lot of those guys in the bullpen could start. Um, but I think that, you know, you're going to see the opener a lot. And I, I like the idea of it. You know, if it helps you win ball games, why not? Why not have a guy open for one, you know, two innings and then have the starting pitcher come in and get, you know, innings of work in. My dad actually came up with that idea back in 2008. Hmm. No joke. My dad has always wanted that. Um <clears throat> But I think with, with the overall team, you look at the lineup. I think do, you look at the lineup going in, you know, I think Yaz and – yeah, I don't know if, if we know for sure that Yaz and Dickerson can repeat what they did last year. I think a lot of their numbers could have been inflated by the juice balls, though they might use the ball, juice balls again this year. Um, the infield, with the exception of Dubon, um, Bell Crawford, I mean, I know fans hate to hear this, but – He's in his twilight. I'm sorry. The guy is just past his prime. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he could still be a solid defensive defensive player, but offensively, offensively, there's nothing there right now from what I've seen. The guy's had a good career, and I'm not saying he should retire. I wouldn't be surprised if he retires after next year when his contract's up. Mm. Posey, I really think he will, but I wouldn't be surprised if Crawford does either. Um, I mean, and the catchers, I just think there's too many holes in the lineup. Because Pablo Sandoval is not consistent anymore, and there's a good chance with uh, Longo and Belt out to start the year that Pablo is going to get some reps in. I just and I just don't think we can rely on guys. I don't think we can rely on on Wilson um, right off the right off the bat. Maybe in the future, but I'm just not sure he's ready for that everyday role. We can't really rely on Sandoval, and we really can't rely on someone like Joe McCarthy, who I'm not saying he's bad. He could be good, but we just don't know enough about him yet. Yeah, I, I yeah. I just think the Giants are really a twenty-three to twenty-seven win team. I just don't see them, especially that combined with. I think they have a really good clubhouse chemistry and a really bright future. And I think honestly, we'll be over five hundred next season. I really believe that, but this year, I just do not see it. Yeah, I think Gabe Kapler has shown that, and I like a lot of the stuff he does. I like the way he communicates with his players. I like a lot of, uh, you know, and. I think a lot of people see sabermetrics as something and analytics as something, you know, old school guys see it as maybe negative to the game, 
but it has a lot sabermetrics and analytics have a lot of in common with some of the old school practices Mm -hmm. um like for example gabe kapler you know he's i think a lot of the things he's chosen to do is a lot of old school baseball stuff and a lot of it has been a lot of new school but i think there's still a little bit of a blend there um in terms of the lineup holes i agree right now there's holes you know you're gonna have guys hitting in out of where they should be hitting with longo and belt being the middle of the order bats in that lineup there's a hole without them so that that should be interesting yeah, um, what what I was going to mention, though, and, and fans, I said the same thing last year. These two seasons, 2019 and 2020, are like a combined 2008. And I think a, a lot of the diehards, you didn't start watching till 09. So maybe maybe you've studied 08. Have you studied the 08 season? Well, Tim Lincecum's Cy Young year, post-Bonds. Uh, was that Pedro Felice? Nope, he was on the Phillies that year. It's on the Giants the previous year. This is true. Fred Lewis. For people who remember, you know, the when the Giants first got good in the late again in the in the late two thousands, this season and this year, last year and this year are truly a combined two thousand and eight. The fact that they're rebuilding, but this year especially, so where it's just a lot of you have the ta- the talent is there. It, this year's like the second half of 08. The talent is there, and you know that the future is bright, but they're not ready just yet, and. Mm. Um, there were a lot of fun memories in that 08 team. Once come winning the Cy Young Award, Pablo coming up late in that year, and I think you know possibly Joey Bart coming up later this year will be like when Pablo came up late that year. Um, so just know that 2009 should have been special. 2010 was special. So just know, Giants fans, bright times are around the corner, and I do sincerely believe that 2021 will be something special. For sure. Let's get into some award predictions. Um, let's start with off the- with – MVP. MVP. Um, oh my God. This this is where it could really be a fluke. Yes. No doubt. Oh. No oh doubt. You're gonna see you're gonna this see. could be like I mean this is like hell Mauricio Dubon could end up the National League MVP. <laughs> and I wonder if they're gonna count like single this is gonna count for single season like batting average and stuff. I don't I don't think I think any batting rack practice record set this year should have an asterisk next to it. Okay, yeah, that I think that's, I think fair. that's not officially the case, but it really should be the case. Do we have a 400 hitter this year? We I might. Could see that Tipper Jones hit either cl- was hitting over 400 at the beginning of June in 08. I'm going to go on record and say I think we have a 390s hitter. Okay, yeah, somebody's going to get up there for sure. Somebody's going to have a really low ERA too. Uh, for American League MVP, you know, I'll go with the safe pick, Trout. What do you think? <laughs> I can't even – I don't know if I can even make these predictions, man, because it's like – Yeah, it's hard. Just, I'm trying to think. I, you know what? I am not going to predict the award winners, and I, I actually Fair. generally predict that kind of stuff, but I'm not going to do it this year. Um, it's, they're all bound to be wrong. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm going to predict Cy Young's either. Managers – I think rookies is something we could predict. Yeah, and it's funny the uh, the Dodgers sent down Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux yeah. and he was a favorite for a lot of people to be Rookie of the Year. Well, a lot he will probably be up as soon as you know they can get an extra year of him before free agency. I would say Carter Keboom in Washington. He's gonna he's gonna be Rendon's replacement at third base. Why not? 
Why I'm going to say Lux gets called up. The thing is about this year too is this is we're going to see a lot. We're going to see the beginnings of a lot of big names this year. I think we're going to see a lot of new faces this year around the league, and I think a lot of those new faces are going to turn out to be big stars mm-hmm. or well-known players. Um, rookie of the year. I'm having a hard time between Joey Bart and Gavin Lux. Oh, Joey Bart, yeah. I'm going to say Joey Bart is the rookie of the year. I think Joey Bart comes up in August. I think that he puts up some big numbers. Maybe even takes the Giants to within to, to, to contention in the final week and gets rookie of the year. So that's my bold prediction, Joey Bart. And those promos are just going to be flashing all around San Francisco. The Bart train coming in. in and this you know is what? like – if this is like, oh, wait, then one of our guys has to get a major award. And I and, say Joey Bart's the guy. And you know what? The Bart train, and we'll talk about this in a later episode, but it's coming in six days. That, that's a hot take right there. Oh, so in six days from today, which means next Tuesday. Yeah, who knows? How, how, much, how, much do, how long do they need to wait to call Bart up if they want, to get a, a, if they want him to wait to be a free agent until after 2026? Instead? You know, I want to say it's five games. Oh I yeah, think. that's exactly why they're doing it. That is exactly why they're doing it, and it's it's and that is crooked. I mean, <sighs> should you know it, it's crooked? But can you blame them? You know, that's more of a major league they baseball. Want, they thing. want, they want. It's not like a money thing. It's just they want to make sure the guy's theirs, and they probably will. St- and if he turns out to be great, they'll still pay him obnoxiously. Mm-hmm. So uh, American League rookies, I am not too familiar with the American League rookies. I'll get more familiar as the season goes on. I will go with Jesus Lazardo of the Oakland A's. You want? I'll go with you on that. I think that kid's got some talent. He's got a hell of an arm. Pressed me the last two games. I'll go with him. Yeah, I think Lazardo um, is, is really good. And I'm not going to lie. It wasn't until about Friday. I, I, I knew they were going to get the season in, but I'm going to admit that until about Friday or Saturday, I was not really paying attention to what was going on with the teams because I was just too nervous about are they going to get this in, and I'm worried mm-hmm. about it start following what the Giants are doing now, I'm going to jinx it. And now that opening day is coming, uh, I, it's safe to talk about the Giants, and it feels so great. Um, and just having baseball back, it's been a horrible year for, I think, so many of us personally because it's been a horrible year for the country. You know, what, last night was just perfect, and I wish I was there. It, you know, it was a perfect. It was a San Francisco – it was – a game at Oracle Park on a San Francisco night, a gray night with the fog, the marine layer. And when they went to commercial after Yaz did his home run in the first inning and they played Bye Bye Baby, I mean, that's just something that's been a consistent my entire life. It was kind of an emotional moment. I kind of got choked up when they played Bye Bye Baby, I'm not going to lie. Because baseball's been my life. And I, I really don't think it was realistic that they were going to cancel the year, I think that was never going to happen, but there was still, I was still, I was still a little scared they would. And to, and after what's just been a bad year for me personally to, to, to watch a game, to listen to, to, to crew and kite and to hear bye bye baby. Um, it's like, this just feels so right. Yeah. And for sure. We're going to have games that count starting tomorrow. And I just can't tell you how happy I am. And so, um, I hope they get the season in. I really think they would, because most of the experts said it would it would it would get canned after a week in training camp, and we're three weeks in now, and like a grand total of six positive tests. It may go up, it may go up with traveling, but so far we've had about a good four or five days of teams traveling, and there hasn't been an increase in cases with the traveling. 
Yeah, and I think it's great that the travel's not bad. You know, it's especially on the West Coast. You know, you're not. Yeah. You're not going east of Texas, right? That's correct. So you know, it it could be could be a lot worse. Um, but I I do think, and I don't want to jinx things, but I I I did believe from the start. Like I would say, oh, they're going to get through. I did believe it. I just thought. I was I was unsure, but I did believe they would find a way. I sincerely believe now that they will get this thing in. I just think they've done such a good job. And people say, oh, use the tests on the public. And I understand. It's not good that Major League Baseball is hoarding the tests. I'll be the first to admit it. And there is a selfishness to me because I do love this game. But at the same time, I think this – I think it's the right thing that they're doing this because it's for the morale of the country. Mm-hmm. It gives people a distraction. Um, the fact that it's also, I think could be, it's been a good demonstrator on how you can control this virus. If you wash your hands, if you wear a mask, if you stay six feet away from each other, you can control this thing. And what baseball has actually done these, these first three weeks is it has shown how you can control this virus. Yeah. And I, so I absolutely believe this is the right thing. And I, I just can't be more thankful that we're having baseball. And on, and on your point real quick, before we wrap it up here, on your point about the testing, would it be would it be bad to say something like, you know, if you guys want baseball back, if it's, you know, say if I'm talking to the public, if you want baseball back, then you have to give up some testing, you know, that like uh, they actually wouldn't wouldn't really have to if we actually had a better government. Oh yeah, <laughs> if we had a better government, we wouldn't be having to give up any testing for it. And these tests were not going to be used anyway. I mean, yes, these are tests that should be used on the public, but these tests weren't going to be used on the public anyway. So, Mm -hmm. but what we do need is more testing publicly. Um, And actually really in all honesty, Major League Baseball can actually buy their, I think the NBA and the NFL is actually, they're buying their own tests. The government's just supplying baseball. Well, they got their own testing labs. So the NBA is in the bubble and they have a testing lab in the bubble. So Major League Baseball needs to have something where it's not just Utah. You know, they got to they got to open more of these. Well, because remember they had some issues with the testing the first few days, but it seems like since the end of the first week they got that under control. Yeah, cuz mail didn't come on Tuesdays or something and there's just And I think people said the 4th like, of hey, July. Let's not screw this thing up. <laughs> exactly. They got it figured out so, real quick. Yeah, it- it's absolutely the, the right thing. And I do believe, and I said beforehand, even though I was not 100% sure, but I did legitimately believe every word I said that they would get this thing from the start of spring training 2.0 to trying to game get some light seven here. of the World Series if necessary. And speaking of the World Series, and I love that view, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because, you, you know, yeah, I can hear you. That view is spectacular. Speaking of, of what I was going to say is that uh, – the World Series, and um, I am predicting this is the type of year it's going to be the weirdest season ever. This is going to be a type of year where a team could get in, and it's going to be a young team that's hungry, and the team that gets hot at the right time is either going to go to the World Series or win the World Series. I am predicting the Reds and the White Sox in mm. the twenty twenty World Series. You know mine, right? It. What? You know mine, right? The Rays and the Braves. The Rays and the Braves. Book just- it. I just feel like a rematch of the 1919 World Series, which was the last time we had this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Um, that was the tail end of the Spanish flu. Um, and the fact that the last time there was a completed shortened season, 
the Reds were the team that got totally screwed. In 1981, the Reds had the best record in all of baseball that year, but because of the controversial first half or second half format they used, the Reds ended up missing the playoffs entirely. So I feel like in this shortened season, they're going to be on top. Yeah. Some hot takes to finish off here. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for watching. Steven, how did you think we did episode number one? I think I gaffed a few times, but uh, I think I was a little nervous. Um, I just felt like, am I going on? Am I going on? Am I like saying something stupid? But I think we did a solid job. All right. You guys could follow us. Steven, do you want to plug your at? Yes. At SR Unfiltered. You can watch these. You can watch my follow my tweets. You can watch my periscopes about baseball and politics. You can watch our podcast that Stephen Risotto and I are doing together. And um, you can also follow Stephen Risotto at. Yep, at Stephen Risotto, S T E V N R I S S O T T O. And on RizzoCast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast, R I Z Z O Cast. Thank you guys for listening again. We will be back with more baseball talk coming up very soon in episode number two. Enjoy, seriously, guys, enjoy opening day. Enjoy opening weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Have a great night, everybody.